Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. My name's Christian and uh, I'm, I'm one of the pastors of Arena Church and uh, I was reflecting that this must be our ninth or tenth year of uh, holding a community service. I, 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 it's, it's been a bit of a dream of mine actually that I would love to take this to the football stadium in Ilkeston. I'd love to really open up the doors to the community, for all the community to come. Now, for that to happen, we'll need way more people than Arena Church, but, you know, that's, that would be a bit of a dream of mine, and for us to have kids involved in singing, and the dignitaries there, and wouldn't that be a great occasion? So let's just see how that resonates in people's hearts. Anyway, you kids, normally we have a kids' church. So if you come on a Sunday, this is a time when we'd say, okay, kids, you're going to be well cared for. All our staff are trained, they're checked, all the safeguarding's in place. And by the way, parents, you will get on back in 30 minutes' time. But that's what we're doing, say, out the door. But we're not doing that today. We're not doing that today because I'm only going to be 15 minutes And we want to see you guys perform, the schools perform. So, a bit of bribery always works. Oh, come on. A bit of bribery always works. So, kids, I've got my uh, uh, sidekick here, Beth. She's she's going to sit at the back. And I need you to be looking out for the the child. Sorry, adults, you don't count, okay? Uh, Kids who just sit, you know, hands folded. They're just... Laughing at all the right places, then when I tell a joke and just, you know, behaving yourself, and you're going to get a prize. Is that okay, kids? What? Oh, oh, I'll ask you again. Is that okay, kids? There's more kids than that. There's some down here and around there. So I need you to sit very still. So if you could watch that, Beth, out for me, that would be great. Now, I've already given a bit of introduction to who I am, and I just want to really set you at ease because some of you, Let's, let's, let's the elephants in the room. Some of you don't come to church. You come to church once a year to see, see your children. That's cool. But I just want to state the obvious here. When you say the word church, a lot of people have all sorts of images in their minds, but there's certain things that you know are going to happen. So you know there's going to be some singing. And we've sung some Christmas carols because it's Christmas time. You know that there's going to be some announcements. We've had some announcements We've prayed a prayer. And there's also usually, if it's a really good church, there'll be a message. And that's my joy today. So I don't want to disappoint you. Because over the next 15 minutes, I want to share some thoughts around Jesus and particularly around the Christmas story. Now, my good friend and colleague on the front here has reminded me on many occasions that Bible messages like this should be relevant should be tasty and should be understandable. It's like a good meal. So I'm going to endeavour to have all those things in this message. So if you're not a church goer, hopefully you'll get something from what I'm going to talk about today. We're going to read from the Bible and we're going to read part of the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke. It'll all come on the screen so you just follow me. Or if you don't want to follow the screens, you just listen to me and that will be great. This is what he says in Luke in chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days, there was a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
The census first took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was from that place, he was from that house and lineage of David. And he was to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, his fiancée, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She was having the baby. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloths. And she laid him in a manger. Because, underscore this, there was no room for them in the inn. Now the Bible account of the birth of Jesus, as I've read it, has many invaluable lessons and thoughts that I think we would do well to seriously reflect upon. And if you imagine, I've been doing this gig quite a long time, not as long as this man, but I've been doing it many, many years So you've got to think, how many messages can you reinvent, okay, with the birth of Jesus? But here's three that I've preached before, okay? Firstly, I love how God came to both the lowly, the shepherds, and the exalted, the the kings. Why? Because he's interested in everyone. He's interested in everyone. It's, It's not by chance he came to both. Here's another message that I've preached before. His message is of good news for all people that will bring joy to everyone. I love this thought because in a nation that is consumed with bad news and negativity, this gives me great hope. And it's for everybody. How about this one? This is a bit more contentious. What about how God came as a baby through a virgin? Let me tell you, this has been contested and argued for centuries. Yet, let me nail... Let me put my stake in the ground. Let me nail my colours to the mast. I believe the Bible account to be factual and true. It's a miracle birth. God sending his son. And that might need a bit unpacking and you can ask some questions afterwards. But I'm not going to preach on any of those. Because there's one particular thought that really grabbed me while I was preparing for this community service. And it's one thing that I want to pick up on. And that is where Jesus was born and why he was born in a barn, in a stable. I was recently impacted by a newspaper headline that it really caught my eye. And it says this, we have become a nation of hoarders. Don't now look at your wife at the side of you and thinking, you know, you know, see your closet. You need to empty your closet and get it up to Arena Rope. Okay. It turns out that Britain is a nation of hoarders. One in five households, listen to me, one in five households admit to having enough clutter to fill a whole room. Wow. And one in 20 admit they've tripped over their clutter. Wow. Now I have a confession to make. I would be a serial hoarder if I was allowed to be. My wife's not here today. My son's not well. But, you know, if, if I was allowed to be, I certainly would hoard and hoard and hoard. Because I always think to myself, but Caroline, we may need it. Have anybody ever used that line? We, oh, thank you. I've got some support here over this side. I'll stay over this side because you lot. Are, I may need it. Yes. And she says, when are you going to need it? 
I don't know. <laughs> it's going. Okay, dear. Now, it's true. It's, if you, I'm not like that at all, let me tell you. But I'd be a hoarder. Caroline wouldn't be. But you see in this room, sorry, in this story, there was no room for Jesus. No one would help him. It's interesting that Joseph came from this place. So you would naturally assume there may be family, friends, cousins, aunts, uncles that lived in that geographical area. But it took a pub landlord who kept animals in a barn to provide shelter for a woman who is with child and Joseph. And it's into this that I want to speak. I want to speak about how we can make room for Jesus. Now just stay with me. Because this could absolutely change your life. From the youngest to the oldest, this could change your life. I received Jesus as an 11 year old. I'm now 48. 37 years I've been following Jesus. So it's not about age. But what I've realised about making room and hoarding and all the rest of it, our lives can be like a trolley. You may be thinking, why have we got a Tesco trolley here? Good point. You, you, you ought to be with Sherlock Holmes if you've clocked it, okay? I've got a load of stuff underneath here and I just want to share, share a simple example that may resonate with numbers of you because I want to look at our lives being like this trolley. We're not doing a supermarket sweep, okay? But there's all kind of stuff that we can fill our lives with and particularly at Christmas, particularly at Christmas. So... My daughter, who's over at our other campus this morning, I bought this while I was in America. It's a line dancing hat. Yeah! Okay. She said, Dad, don't, please don't wear it. Please don't do it. So I'm wearing it and I'm doing it. Yeah! Okay. Hobbies. Fill our lives with hobbies. You're not having this. Any Liverpool fans here? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand, see that hand, see that hand, see that. Wonderful. This is a very special ball that was given to me by uh, Mike Taylor, who worked. He was the um, uh, managing director of, of MITRE and, uh, for many years and gave me this ball. So it's got Kevin Keegan's signature and Phil Thompson, Bob Paisley, Steve Highway. It's a very special ball to me. Hobbies. This is just representing hobbies. People like filling their lives with that. What about decor? You know, people just fill their lives with stuff and decor and decorating the house. And there's a, there's a house magazine here, houses. You know, how about people like work? This is what I have. I have a lot of files. You might have a hammer. You might have a spanner. You might have a syringe because of where you work and whatever. For me, this, this is very important. And we can fill our lives with work. How about we fill our lives now, this wasn't mine, okay? I'm not owning up to this. The whole point of it, the whole point of it was, I said to one of my daughters, I said, let me have a party dress, will you? This, this season, we fill our lives with parties and, you know, all that kind of jazz and stuff. And we have a few balloons and, you know, there's some booze and drink and all the rest of it, right? Oh, here's a massive one. Money. Show me the filthy Luca. By the way, these are 
not. They just printed them off because I'm a cheapskate, okay? Uh, and and I, was al- I was allowed to do it. There is a website you can do it, so I'm not going in there, okay? So if anybody is tempted to nick it, you won't get you very far, okay? Money, okay? Just one or two others. Cars, it's not that kind of car, but just cars. And travel, you know, I hope you're getting the idea. We fill our lives with stuff. With stuff. Now, I know this example doesn't work because how do you put Jesus in this? But, you know, for me, I made a decision that I didn't want to fill my life with all this stuff at the expense of Jesus. I wanted Jesus to be in all this stuff because let me go back to my notes, which are really important. I don't want you to misunderstand me with these things because you're going to say, oh, this church is a killjoy church. Just hear this carefully. Don't misunderstand me because these things in themselves aren't bad or evil. What the issue is, is when we become consumed and infatuated by this stuff. If we do, I have come across many people in pastoral work who have become infatuated and consumed by this stuff and they ultimately end up being selfish, self-absorbed, prideful, jealous and uncaring. You may say they're really harsh statements. Yeah, they are because that's what they become. If you become consumed with that stuff. If we make our lives all about stuff, the things, me, mine and I, as opposed to Jesus then we'll end up on a road that's not great. But here's the point. Back to the story. The innkeeper, we know nothing about him, but we do know he opened up his heart and his home to Jesus. He made room for Jesus. He didn't fill his life with so much stuff. He made room for Jesus. Now, it's interesting because I want to get down with the kids now. I've had something, but, you know, any, any get, you know, trendy kids here, give me a wave if you're cool and happening and kicking and, oh, yeah, there's a few of you. Okay, now, there's something that's happening in the, in the North American church at the minute. I don't want to comment too much on it, but there's an album that's just been uh, brought out, produced by Kanye West. Some of you olders have no idea what I'm on about, okay. He's a rapper. Get down with the kids, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Kanye West, he's produced albums. He's incredibly controversial in many ways. We identified him in our Good News newspaper, in our Christmas edition. And he wrote an album recently called Jesus is King. I'm not about to comment on whether I think he is or he isn't. All I would welcome is the debate. He's opened up a conversation about who is Jesus, which I like. Because I'd like to have this conversation. That's why I'm taking my chance while I'm here. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Because if I'm asking you to open up your hearts and encouraging the listener to make room for Jesus... We need to know a few things about this Jesus. So on the screens, let me just say a few things. There was one person who described him. I can never get one of these words right. My tongue always gets twisted, but I'll go for it. He's the greatest phenomenon. Yes, there we are. That has ever crossed the horizon of this world. Let's talk about Jesus. He's God's son. He's a sinner's saviour. He's the centrepiece of civilization. He's awesome. 
He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the miracle of the age. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient saviour. Jesus is king. And that list, that is why I've made room for Jesus in my life. Jesus came out of love. We were reminded it's another service by Phil that Jesus came out of love. God sent him because there was a bridge, there was a void, there was a gap between us and God. Produced through the sin of and the wickedness and the evil of mankind, the wrongdoing. In fact, this is what it says in John 3 verse 16 because it declares there that this gap was only going to be dealt with through Jesus. And it says here, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, listen to me, this is why. So that no one need be destroyed by believing in him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son to merely point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. No, he came to help. To put the world right. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. And anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without even knowing it. Why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind. The list that I've just gave you. This one of a kind son of God when introduced to him. You see, I want to make room for Jesus because he came out of love to save me, to change me, to give me a brand new start, to give me a new life, to give me purpose, to fill me with fulfillment. This stuff won't. He does. And he came ultimately to forgive me of my sins. Now, quickly as I close, that's a great, I think that's a great offer. But why, when I talk to people, why do so many people not make room for Jesus. Well, there's many reasons why, but here's here's some reasons that I've got here. I'll move through them quickly. First of all, you might be one of them here and you say, well, Jesus is irrelevant. He's boring. He's lifeless. He kills joy. I just want to say all those words that I've just used, they're not true. Jesus is incredibly relevant. The problem is, and I apologise on behalf of the church, we've marketed Jesus, not this church, we've marketed Jesus incredibly wrong. We've marked him as boring, as lifeless, as cold, as damp, as on church pews, all the rest of it. I want to say Jesus is the most dynamic thing that ever happened to the earth. When you really enter into a relationship with him, you, feel, you are filled with joy. Joy, unspeakable joy. It's amazing. Secondly, people say, oh no, uh, I just, I don't really understand it. They have no lack of understanding. That's because there's so much mixed up teaching, distorted truth. Let me tell you, and everybody will say, we speak the truth. If you read the Bible, it's full of truth. Jesus was full of truth. Thirdly, people get distracted. I've already said, the stuff, it distracts us. It takes us away from Jesus. Fourthly, this is a big one. People have said, I'll do it later. I'll I'll make room for Jesus later. And we personally have had to navigate this as a family with with the passing of a very dear loved one to us that you cannot boast about tomorrow because there are no guarantees of tomorrow. Please do not walk out this room thinking, I'll put it off. I'll do it later. You may not get a later. 
That's not fear-mongering. You may not get it later. We become consumed by other things, relationship. And here's, a, here's the last one, finally. It's a big one. People don't make room for Jesus because they say, well, what will others think? Let me just, I'm going to be really naughty now because I want to speak to adults. Are we kids? I say to, our, I say to my kids all the time, have a bit of steel. Stand up on some convictions and principles. We have, we have politicians here who will differ in, in things, but they have conviction. That's what I'm looking for, conviction. You actually believe it. Whether we agree it, but you believe it. And you're going to stand firm, not belligerently. You're going to believe it. And very often people refuse Jesus because they say, well, what will others think? Peer pressure, ridicule, embarrassment. Oh, what if I have to go to church? Let me tell you, this church is filled with very manly people who have conviction. And many people say, no, I'm not going to make room for Jesus because what will others think? As I conclude... There's a verse in the Bible, I'm taking it out of context very quickly. It's speaking to church people, but it helps me with this example. In 1 John 5 verse 21, it says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from those things. Don't run to those things. Make room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus. I wonder if we'd bow our heads. As we do that, I just want it gives us space and just close our eyes. And even the children, if you can enter into this, it would be helpful. And just no moving around just for a moment.